Thank you for joining the online ministry of New Life Fellowship. May you be blessed by the Word of God. I want to speak to you today from the book of Joshua chapter 4 and verse number 5. And Joshua said unto them, Pass over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of Jordan, and take you up every man of you a stone upon his shoulder, according unto the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, twelve stones, that this may be a sign among you, that when your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, what mean ye by these stones? Why? Why do these stones exist? Amen. Praise God. And all the people said amen. Put your de- Bibles and pamphlets behind you now. And I just want you to clap your hands unto the Lord. And give God praise. Amen, and you may be seated. In the annals of the halls of faith lie the great of the Bible and the greats of the Bible's leaders. Among them, I submit Abraham and Moses will hold profound wonders of commencement and then of deliverance. There are others, yes, but none to me, seem to rise to their stature. The Jewish people are joined by a host of other great men and women which stake their claim to Abraham's lineage, hundreds of millions of people. And for centuries, they point back to the faith of Abraham who followed God with no tangible proof that his path would lead to blessings. There are even today Millions of people in the Middle East that claim Abraham as their father. I suppose it's easy for us to read through a life in a book and then shrug our shoulders in apathy. It is altogether different to experience the journey in real time. In real time, there are valleys of doubt. They extend for miles and sometimes multiple seasons. In real time, there are dangers by the hands of unforeseen enemies and spiritual oppression and then regret of our own making. All of which mount to thwart the original voice of God's call to stop us from movement. Moses was positioned by God's power and authority, but he also faced opposition His greatest being himself, though that is rarely spoke of. Self-doubt and fear and the unknown. His temperament never fit his leadership. Man. I doubt Moses would have been found qualified by today's standards of leadership. But then again, God chose him. And God led him. And it was the Lord who ordered him and ordained him and anointed him. And as it has been said before, God does not call the qualified to do his kingdom work. Rather, he qualifies the called. 
So don't get bothered if you feel like you're not good enough. No one is good enough. God is good enough. No one is strong enough. God is strong enough. He, in fact, he's the only one that's good. You and I did not come by way of DNA, but you came by the way of the precious blood of Jesus Christ. He's the one who ordained you and commissioned you and anointed you. God did that. God did that. Those two men, Abraham and Moses, they are, they are etched in time. They are seared into the minds of men and inked into the heavenly record. And after them, there are other great men who did great exploits. Their testimonies will not be told here today, but they bear repeating. I read to you of a small passing. It's Joshua and the crossing of the Jordan River. It pales in light of the Red Sea. God's commandment, however, was to make something for the memory of the next generation. He wanted to make sure that there was at least some monument, something that told the story. It was always God's intention that the family would know him. He wanted all the families to know him. He did not want to lose sons or daughters. So he told them in the book of Deuteronomy, teach your children. Bind the truth upon their heads and their hands and talk of him when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Speak to your children. Train them. Keep your family in the way. And I say today, there are no voids If you're not speaking, someone is talking. Don't hand your family over to a world system. Speak to your sons and daughters, and it doesn't matter how young or how old they may be. Hear me, mothers and grandmothers and fathers and grandfathers. Speak to your children. You need to tell them there is only one God. There is only one Lord. There is only one faith, and there is only one baptism. That's the Bible. If we're not talking, someone's talking. So you got to rise up and open up your mouth. Don't be afraid of how you're received. The world is not afraid. They don't care to say anything they want to. I want to stand and declare there is a holy God and he's calling for a holy people. And he's calling for a church born of his blood. So... God commanded Joshua to take 12 stones from that dry riverbed before he let the water come back. And, and they took them and they built a monument so that, so that when their children would come later and they would ask, why would their children come? Because some of them weren't there and some of them were too young to remember. They needed to know why they were there and what the existence was and what God had done for them. And you need to tell them, God said, about the dry riverbed. That dry riverbed is a miracle of God's wonder. It was the reason why. They needed to know why they were there. There's a reason. Why are these stones made into a monument? Well, the reason is because God was good in this nondescript place where there's no other marker, where there's nothing around it. There stands a monument. It just shows that God was good and he brought us out. And when they ask you, tell them, God brought us out. He brought us over. He brought us out, not just of Egypt, but he brought us out of the wilderness. And he brought us into this new land. And we need to tell our children. I'm going to tell you the reason why we have a new sanctuary. It's for our family. Peter's writing about the coming conflict. He'll speak to the early church about those who oppose the church. He'll speak about the pressing days of immoral men. But Peter is careful to instruct the church to be ready. He says, do not walk away. Don't back down. 
Here, here's the word. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that ask you a reason of the hope that's in you with meekness and fear. They need to know the reason. There's a reason. You need to know why you believe in God. You don't get up and tell people. You don't walk away from people and say, well, that's just what my church believes. You need to know the reason why you're baptized in Jesus' name. Tell them that's the only way anyone was ever baptized. The reason for our new sanctuary is for our families. They are tools for the kingdom. And we have a hope for our families to be saved. I'm believing for our families. I wrote down on my notes, if. I wrote the word if. And then I was immediately convicted. Because I don't want to say if. Because if leaves open the possibility that it may not come to pass. So I've removed the word if. I've done it for you and for me. I want to replace that with the word when. When is an expectation of design. It's not just an intention of goodwill. It means it shall happen. So when we reach our families and when they come back to God and when they walk into the sanctuary, we're going to have an explosion of revival, the likes of which we have never seen when our families come together. You don't see it yet, and you may not know it yet, but I'm removing the word if. If leaves open the door, that it may not happen. But I believe by God and by the grace of God, there's a sanctuary coming when your family comes back into the house. And somebody ought to shout yes. Do you want your families to be saved? You ought to shout yes. Do you want your families to be restored? You ought to praise God when they come. I stood on this platform for 12 years. And this is the last day I'll stand on this platform. But I'm not done preaching, and if I had no platform, I'm still preaching. I just like the platform because it makes me look taller. If I was a preacher in the 70s, I'd have no problem because John Travolta had platform shoes and they were vogue. But since we are not there, although I'm, I'm, I'm ready for them to come back, everything else seems to come back. I want to tell you, I've stood in this platform for 12 years, and some of the times I've stood here were times of great joy. Sometimes were of tears and loss. I've experienced both of them with you collectively. We've all come together as a church body, rejoicing, interceding, worshiping with petitions and with a hunger for the Word of God. We cannot lose that. We have to have a hunger for the Word of God. This altar before me and before you has hosted a thousand prayers over and then some. Hundreds have received the healing from their, for their bodies and hundreds have received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and many, many people have, have been restored. Lives have been restored. Even today, the doors to this room has been the entrance to a new life. And yes, some have left the faith and some have walked away. But truth has been preached and the gospel has been shared and the doctrine of Jesus Christ has seen no shortage and we will not stop preaching the doctrine and the gospel of Jesus Christ. I offer this to you humbly that if anyone's going to be lost in the final day of time, it's not going to be due in this house for a lack of word or lack of knowledge of the word of God. 
And if anyone's going to be saved, it will always be by the grace of God through faith. It is the gift of God. There's a reason why we exist. And it's more than the inner workings of a social network or custom or tradition. The Bible is our book and Jesus is our king and we are a blessed people. You heard the missionary last week who when he was thrown into prison, he was happy about it. You heard Brother Desta eight times he was thrown into prison for preaching Jesus and starting churches. But each time he was thrown into prison, he was reaching people and they were receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost while he was in prison. He told me later, he said, Pastor, the reason why I love going to jail is because I have a captive audience. They can't get away from me. Even the soldiers can't get away from him, and he's baptizing them when he's in jail. I want to tell you, we are a blessed people. We're blessed. You're blessed just to know his name. You're blessed to be able to speak his name. Don't pour mouth yourself. You're blessed because you can say his name. There's no reason for you to get depressed right now. Just speak his name, Jesus. If you're in conflict, just call on his name. His name is a high tower. The righteous run into it and they're saved. If you've got an ache in your body or in your mind or a memory you can't get rid of, every time you think of it, you say, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. To have the knowledge that Jesus is God, that there's only one God, we're blessed. To have the freedom to worship while we can, we are blessed. To be in this country and to come unopposed to church, we are blessed. Did you forget? We're blessed. I'm concerned that our worldview is so small that we don't know how good we have it and we take it for granted. I would say, don't take it for granted, ladies and gentlemen. You're blessed. Every time you can open up your mouth and shout out to the name of the Lord, you're blessed. Every time you walk into this house, you are blessed. Every time you can drive your car, open up your Bible without fear, you're blessed. To know the gospel of Acts chapter 2 and verse 38 That's the gospel, the death, the burial, the resurrection, that he died, he was buried, and he rose again on the third day, that we repent of our sins, we're buried in the name of Jesus in water baptism, and we receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You're blessed that you know that. Whether or not we rejoice in it, or exercise it, or spread it, does not make it any less wonderful. We are blessed today. You're blessed today. And I submit that we cannot, and we must not keep it to ourselves. In the minds of many, sin has categories. In the minds of some people, some sins are color-coded. Some are lies. Some are, they think, passive versus egregious sins. But in the mind of God, all sin carries a wage. And the payment of that sin is death. So before we excuse ourselves from a sinful life, we ought to know that when we receive the truth, it was our duty to bring someone else to the truth. We know what is right and we know what is good and we are blessed. And James said, therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. So perhaps you don't have a vile addiction or perhaps God has brought you out of a very terrible place. But if you know to do good and you don't do it, 
We cannot afford to lose our salvation because we don't share the gospel and the testimony of our salvation. Mm-hmm. The first step is to look at our families. We have to reach our families. And when our families come to worship together, I'm going to tell you, this room will not hold all of them. If we, if we reach no one else but just your family and my family, this room will not hold all the people. So we're going to have a bigger tool. We're going to have, I don't know what we call it, Project, project Bigger Cup. Fill my cup, Lord. If you bring him a Dixie cup, that's all you're going to get. I'm going to bring him the biggest cup, and I want him to fill it up and fill it up again and again. And I thank God for the sacrifice of our Sunday school teachers, many of which have not been able to be in Sunday morning worship. And yes, you can watch online or listen afterwards or watch live stream, but there's nothing like being in the atmosphere in the sanctuary. And our new sanctuary will be able to hold all of your children and your grandchildren and our young people and our Sunday school teachers and the hundreds of children that are going to come and that are already here, you don't see them, and family members present and family members on their way back home. Our new sanctuary is going to hold everybody and the children are going to hear their pastor perhaps for the first time. The reason for our new sanctuary is to bring our families together. And they are coming together. I have a vision for families united around the cause of Jesus Christ in the house of worship, working for the kingdom every Sunday in the new sanctuary. I didn't didn't put my mic down for you to clap. I just wanted to adjust my pants here. But if that's the sign, let's do it. Amen. I'm all right. You look disturbed. I just got to tell you this. It is good. If you want to stop and clap, everyone just clap every 30 seconds. That's good. Let's just keep clapping. I don't, you don't have to do that. I'm going to tell you right now, you're not going to clap as much as you're going to clap when your families come back and when your law slums walk in and they fall on the floor. And I'll tell you when you're going to get happy. You're going to get happy when you don't have to look around for a seat and say, well, there's no room here. You're going to get happy when all those people start walking back and say, hey, my family came today to church. And then you're going to shout and you're going to clap and you're going to thank God. Let me tell you, you can talk yourself out of it if you want. You can, you can talk yourself into a negative spirit. So that not only you lose faith, but you lose energy and fervor. Let me just tell you, that's not the devil. That's you. <laughs> so I want to talk to you. I'll, I'll deal with the devil later. I want to talk to you. You ought to get happy right now. You ought to pull yourself up out of that mire right now and you ought to say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I don't know what you came to do. I don't know why everybody else is here, but I've come to worship God and I'm going to reach my family.
brother and sister Morris, we were talking about this. When your, when your family gets committed, mother, when your family, you're going to need a whole section. There's not room where you're sitting, mother. Who, who else? Who, who else? When? Thank you. <laughs> Jesus. Who else? When they all come. It's up to you. When your family comes, we're going to have to have some new sections. We're going to have to have some new altars. Yay! Uh, there is a second reason. <laughs> and Jesus... He spoke of it. Paul repeats the heartbeat of the master who will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. The field is the second reason why we're building the new sanctuary. There are over 100,000 souls on their way to eternal destination. And we've got to be about the father's business. I know everybody has their own business and their own ambition, their own thoughts, but there's no ambition greater than the soul winning business. It won't matter what you get in the end. You won't win anything. And the gold watch that you might get at your last day will be given and discarded. But when you reach someone with the gospel of Jesus Christ and you baptize them in Jesus name, there's a soul saved ready for heaven. It is not the will of God for us to keep what we know to ourselves. So Bible studies and prayer meetings and witnessing and revival is our present and shall be our future ambition. We are about the Father's business and we're looking at the field. I'll answer the question that was asked of me many years ago. Why we even wanted to buy this piece of property. Property When the man said, don't you have enough people in your church? And I asked, when is it enough? Is 20 enough or 30 enough or 50 enough or 100 enough? I will say until the last and final trumpet sounds, we will never stop reaching the loss that's in the field. We've got to get in the field and we've got to find the people in the field. Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. There's nothing wrong with the harvest. There's nothing wrong with the field. We just have a problem with laborers in the field. So pray ye therefore the Lord, the harvest, that he will send laborers into his harvest. So I'm glad for all the various functions of the church. Thank God for all the different ministries. I'm thankful for the food pantry because when you give to the poor, you lend to the Lord. I'm thankful for that. We want to do it. But that's not the reason we exist. We do not exist to give food to the poor. We don't exist for singles ministry, our young adult ministry, our seniors ministry, our children's ministry. We exist 
to reach the lost before the coming of Jesus Christ. All those other things are good and important, but you've got to find somebody and teach them a Bible study. The Bible says one plants, another waters, and God gives the increase. I promise you, if you plant and water, God's going to give the increase. I'm looking for the next family to come to church. I don't know who the next family is, but I'm looking for the next family to come to this house and make a commitment. I'm looking for the next 100 souls to be baptized in Jesus' name. I don't know who's going to be the last one baptized in here. Taylor, I think you might be the last unless someone else is ready to get baptized. We'll tear up this, this platform. We'll be tore up here in a little while, but we don't have our new baptismal tank ready. So I'm going to keep that thing going until the day comes when we have the new one. We'll have two of them going on at one time because I'm not going to miss a baptism. The water's going to stay warm until Jesus comes and then you can just turn it off. But until that day comes, we're going to keep baptizing everybody in the name of Jesus Christ because that's what the Bible says. If you are not hungry for lost souls, then you are not in alignment with God. If you, uh uh-oh. If you think of yourself and what you can get out of church, then you are both selfish and you're blind to the desire of God. If you confess that he's Lord of your life, then let him be the Lord of your day. Jesus said, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. The Holy Ghost is not fire insurance to keep you out of hell. It is the power to be a witness. And I believe that the greatest reproach of the modern day church is a lack of a witness And I'm struggling to think that anyone will be saved if they keep the truth to themselves. And I apologize for the next line because I know it might sound trite, but I'm sincere in my question. What if each one reached one? What if everyone here just brings one person to church next Sunday? Can you just bring one person to church? One Easter Sunday, we had 799. The ushers brought back a horrible number. It just hurt my heart. It burned in me. 799. And I said, couldn't we find someone at the Marathon gas station? Don't ever bring me a 99. Go get somebody. Compel them. Beg them. Give them a gift card. We got to get them in. We got to have 800, 900, 1,000. No 99s. There's got to be somebody else. You go out and get somebody. You tell them you got to come into my life. You got to come into my home. We got to get as many people as we can. Each one reach one. Amen. Amen. I'm going to bury people in the next couple of months and years. And when I bury you and I stand up, here's what I want to say. This is a child of the Most High God. They got a crown and a robe waiting for them. Don't put me in a position where I'm struggling to figure out whether or not you actually loved him. 
I'm asking you right now, don't make it hard on me. Make it easy on me. I need an easy funeral service. I need to get up and say, thank God. I want to say sometime morning we shall be Jesus in the air. I want to say in the sweet by and by. I want to say he's gone now, but we're going to see him again. Make it easy on me by living for God. Because everybody wants their loved one to go to heaven at the end. And I don't know if it was true or not, but I'll repeat it. When the preacher got up and said all wonderful things about the man in the casket and how great he was and all the stuff. And the widow, the mother, she turned to her son and said, go up there and see if that's your dad. That don't sound like him. We got to be in the field, find somebody and love them. And I would prefer if you took them to a coffee shop or to dinner before you walked them for the first time to this house so that they would get to know you. Because when people walk into this house, there's people around you, you don't know what they're going to do. They might, that day might be the day they break out and speak in tongues the whole time. But you've never developed a relationship with your friend or your guest. And so they think everyone's crazy. Yes, it's true, but, but if you can soften it a little bit, it's a culture shock. So love them and help them and talk to them about Jesus. And then say, when you get into this church, people are going to be clapping. They're going to be loving the Lord and everything we're going to be doing, it's found in the Bible. Even people, when they run into the church, well, you just got to look no further than the book of Acts chapter 3. When the, blind, when the lame man was healed, the Bible says he ran in leaping into the temple. Because when people are healed and they're restored, they are overwhelmed with joy and they're leaping and dancing before the Lord. That's in the Bible. doesn't take a professional to bring somebody to church. It just takes love. It only takes someone who will speak and care and do the work of the Father's business. Amen. You can. Don't tell me you're shy. Don't tell me you're backward. Find another shy person. Just stand around and hum. <laughs> Write him a note. There's a third reason, it's the final reason, that we have to build, and that's because the future is coming. Romans chapter 4, verse 17. This is a wonderful verse of Scripture. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations, speaking of Abraham, before him whom he believed, even God. He quickeneth the dead, and calleth those things which be not as though they were. See, I believe in a God... He calls those things which be not as though they were. Just because I cannot see them today with my natural eyes doesn't mean a future is not coming. It's coming. If we only knew what God had in store for us, we would be preparing for that. And if we only did what's expedient for us, then maybe we would not prepare for the next season. But a new season is coming. On the outside of the new season, it's a dark time. Paul warned Timothy of his own time, but I believe it's a pressing spirit of our age. When he said, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Surely, ladies and gentlemen, you know what is about us today. Even the world knows that something has shifted in our time. Even those who have not seen or known the truth, they feel the weight of the hour pressing upon them. Isaiah said, woe unto them that call evil good and good 
good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. If we only knew how close we were to the last days of time, it would shake us to the core. I believe we will live differently. This new season will feature a shadow of uncertainty. It is a cloud of perversion, of complacency and carnality. Good today is being called evil. Evil is being rewarded. Wickedness is being rewarded. And the darkness is overwhelming this nation. We are building because a future is approaching. And Solomon wrote of it. He said the ants are a people not strong. Yet they prepare meat in the summer. Why? Because they know the season is going to change. God put an instinct into them to know there's going to be a change in season and we are moving forward and we are moving northward not because it's the easiest thing to do in fact I've already been confronted about the reason for another building but I am convinced when the darkness looms and the ominous conditions emerge and when people wake up to realize that the world is bankrupt and it's out of all the decency it ever had they're going to walk into this new sanctuary because there will be light in the evening time there's going to be light in the evening time there's going to be light in the darkness hey so i'm preaching to all the souls who have not yet made it into the house i'm preaching to all the backsiders and all the people who have not yet been saved there shall be light in the evening time But it shall be one day, Zechariah 14, which shall be known to the Lord. Not day nor night, but it shall come to pass. Nobody knows when it's going to come, but God knows the day that at evening time, somebody say it, it shall be light. There will be light in the evening time. There will be revelation of the mighty God in Christ in the evening time. There will be an outpouring of the Holy Ghost in the last season of time. And when I cannot, while I cannot tell you when it shall be, I know that it shall be. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Hey, now I don't want you to get disturbed because some of us have a problem. They're going to walk in messed up and God is going to restore them to their right mind. And immediately they're going to be preaching and singing and leading and don't wait for them to qualify themselves because God is going to do a quick work in the end. Our God rides on a swift cloud. There's going to be a quick work in the end. You ought to go back to hear what Jesus said. Everybody's going to get the same reward and there's going to be an 11th hour rush and the new house is going to hold the 11th hour rush. You better get prepared because there's going to be light in the darkness. When you hear of the debauchery that happens in our world today, your first response is probably the wrong response. Let me give you your first response. There's going to be light in the evening time. When it gets darker, your first response is we're shining brighter. When it gets bad, your first response is, but it's good in the Father's house. 
when it gets when it gets when it gets bleak and there's a cloud of confusion over the world that's the time when you ought to stand up on your tiptoes and say come on in everybody come on in come on in you can get out of all that stuff because i know a place where you can be loved and you can be saved i want to tell you it's for everybody it's for nueva vida brother bonilla it's for it's for nueva vida stand up brother sister bonilla there's going to be a great revival in Nueva Vida. I'm, I'm, Brother Derek, I'm trying to remember the numbers. Keep standing, Brother Bonilla. Keep standing, Sister Bonilla. I, I'm trying to remember the numbers. We had maybe 230 uh, available seats in the, in, the, in the North Sanctuary when we left, something like that, 200, 230. There was about, really, it was about 180 seats, if you really want to know the truth, and that's, that's if the ladies didn't put their purse on the pew. And we would put chairs out, so I'm believing there's at least room for 250, and when you outgrow that, well, we'll, we'll build another building, and we'll have another. We're, we're going to listen, we got, we got people from all, we had eight different Nations represented in Nueva Vida a couple Sundays ago. Eight, it was 74 people at Nueva Vida. There's a group of Nicaraguans coming. I don't know how they got here, but I'm going to tell you, we're baptizing them in Jesus' name. They're getting the Holy Ghost. We're going to baptize everybody. Watch out because the Hispanic population is about to come into this house and they can take over if they want to. We're going to have revival. Somebody's going to have Holy Ghost. There's going to be an outpouring. There's going to be light in the evening time. The future is coming. How many buses do we have in vans? How many do we have? We have five. That's not enough. That's not enough. Who has a back seat in their car that no one rode in today? There's all of our buses and our vans. Please don't make us buy another bus or a van. Put people in the back seat of your car, and if you got a big trunk, the Italians used to do it, I don't know. I think we can put more people in our cars. We got enough cars, everybody's got their own car. Put some new people in your car. We're gonna bring them to church. The future is coming. Pray that the Holy Ghost would, would be poured out. Here, I, I feel this in the Holy Ghost. I feel this in the Holy Ghost. The moment I start preaching this, there's a spirit world that rises up against what I'm preaching to discourage you and tell you that you're not loved and you don't belong. I rebuke that devil right now. I rebuke that spirit right now. This is God's work and you are part of the family. I take dominion over that foul thing. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke that. In the name of Jesus, let there be a powerful group of people that love you and are together. Turn to someone close by and whatever is appropriate, tell them, you're my brother, you're my sister, you're my family. Tell them, you're my family, you're my brother, you're my sister. You're my family. That's right. This is the family of God. This is the family. This is the family of God. Come on, there's going to be light in the evening time. We're building for the future. We're building for the future. Maybe seated for a moment. I'm almost through. I did the prediction. I got out all the, got out all the directories. I did the predict, prediction from January 
of 2022, I believe. For 60 months, I believe we're going to have 50 people get married and 100 babies born in the church. If you've been, if you got married January the 1st, 2022 till now, please stand up. If I'm... We're on our way. One, two, carry the one, divide by pi. We got it. We're on our way. You may be seated. If, 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 there's, if you represent a baby born in the church, so they may not be here today or maybe they're in the Sunday school, from January 1st, 2022 till now, please stand up. If your baby is, thank you, thank you, babies, two, thank you, two, two. We want, it, we want them to come by twos. <laughs> twos. Thank you, my brother. Thank you. Thank you. You may be seated. Keep working. <laughs> who, who would like to have a baby? <laughs> Tammy Joe. God can do anything. Al Pacino just had a baby. I think he's like 115. When you walk into the sanctuary, I don't want you to be in awe. We made it nice. It's decorated nice. That's a tool. It's what I, I, want, I want you to be prepared. Don't get enamored with the building. Thank God for it. We're going to dedicate it. That's a house of prayer. We're going to baptize that thing with prayer. I'm going to tell you what we're going to do. We're going to worship in that place. You're going to find a place on the altar. You're going to pour out your heart to God. But don't look around and say, oh, this is just, this is just too big. What are you talking about? We have 100,000 people to reach. For every church that says, or every person that says, I don't want to go to a big church. I hope they don't have revival. Because the moment you utter that out of your mouth, you ought to also pray that you never have revival. He would that all be saved. I want to reach this whole city. I'd like to have 10% of our city. I'd like to see 6,000 souls brought to the kingdom before the rapture. There shall be light in the evening time. It's for the family, it's for the field, and it's for our future. i got to tell you the reason. It's for our family, it's for the field, and it's for the future. And I'm over time. This was about six or seven weeks ago. Staff came to me and said, Pastor, they counted almost 30 cars that came through, couldn't find a place to park, and left. And my heart broke. 
but I've had that feeling before. I remember in, in the other sanctuary across the road, people were parking down, up, up and down Chamberlain. They couldn't get in. They were, they were going down Chamberlain. They couldn't get in. And I, one day I walked out while the music was playing. I walked out in the front steps and watched cars come in and they just left. They just went down the road. We're going to have about 600 parking places come in and we have grass and we have places where you can park and we have sidewalks. We want to put everybody everywhere. We're going to have enough parking places. God, God, God willing, we're going to have enough places for you and for your family in Jesus name there's got to be room and we're going to have room I just want to prepare you that's a building just like this building that's a building we're going to dedicate it to God but when we walk into that building you ought to be instead of saying wow you ought to say God's great and we're going to worship in this house I'm going to praise God it's just a tool And let me just tell you, God's not enamored with our new building. Not that he cared, but he's seen better. (laughs) We have gold paint maybe somewhere, but that's all it is. He's seen the temple. He he allowed the temple. (laughs) He didn't call for it, but he allowed it. And he's allowed this. And when we retire our debt, it doesn't mean we're we're going to keep, we're not going to give. It means we have more to give to missions and the cause of Jesus Christ around the world. There shall be light in the evening time. There shall be light in the evening time. There's going to be a Holy Ghost revival in the evening time. You're going to get deeper in the Lord. Your families are coming to God. Your neighbors are coming to God. Our city is going to be one for the glory of God. And God's going to have the glory and the praise. Somebody clap their hands unto the Lord. Stand your feet and shout to God. Because the Lord is good. Shout to God with your voice. Hey! Thank you for watching today. If you would like to help us continue to deliver content around the world online, please consider making a donation. Head to newlifeterahoe.com and choose the giving option that works best for you. Have a great day.